Tits up is both an expression used when things have gone terribly wrong and a phrase coined as a rallying cry to stand up straight, own the stage, and knock them dead. There are few things in this world that can make your life go tits up more quickly than a breast cancer diagnosis, especially for adolescent and young adult women. This podcast is meant to give us AYAs, a feeling of community, understanding, and power, helping us to walk into each day with a feeling of tits up. Hello and welcome back listeners to another week of Tits Up. I am Megan. And I am Sam. And we are joined today by the lovely Daniela. Daniela, welcome. Thank you. How, how's everybody doing? I'm very glad <laughs> to be here. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, we want to just kind of go through today your experience. I always hesitate with the word journey, you know, um, yes. in, in heavy quotes. What you've kind of gone through as an yes. overview in the past few months or in the past year, right? Yeah, yes, yes. So let's let's start with the good stuff yes. first. <laughs> Who I am. I have a beautiful American Eskimo, which is the love of my life. And my husband is also the love <laughs> of my life. <laughs> um, I am uh, from Puerto Rico and I live in New Jersey. And I am a scientist by profession and portfolio manager. I work for a beauty company. And on the side, I do health coaching and life coaching. And I'm a trainer of neuro-linguistic programming. So I'm a very busy person. <laughs> I'm a very passionate, multi-passionate person as well. Um, and very and smart, yeah, apparently. So, oh, <laughs> well, you know, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, there's many people that are smart too. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, my everything was all right, uh, although I was going through a fertility journey um, before my cancer diagnosis, um, which, you know, I was already kind of struggling a little bit there. Um, and eventually, you know, I got my cancer diagnosis last year. So um, my diagnosis was um, hormonal breast cancer. So I was stage one. Um, grade two, I think it was stage one B, okay. uh, grade two. So it was kind of advancing like middle, middle rate. Um, and, um, and yeah, so it was ER, PR positive, 99 strong. So it was like super hormonal. Um, and yeah, I was very surprised. <laughs> I guess like we all are like, what the f- yeah. hell happened here and you, you can know? feel free to say um <laughs> and I know, okay i was like kind of swear kind of because i swear Absol- a lot absolutely <laughs> and, uh, so so yeah i got um you know i'm kind of jumping a little bit but if you want i can like tell a little bit about my fertility journey first and then how kind of one thing led to yeah that. let's do i think that's a great way i was going to ask like how did you first discover your cancer or how did the doctors discover it but i think that that oh, yes. you know however that plays out tell us yeah yeah well actually the um let me say that first yes i so i discovered my can well it's hard to say when actually I discovered it because I feel I discovered it before it was diagnosed. So my diagnosis was on March 2023, like just last year. However, I did 
um, had my concern literally a year before. So on March 2022, I went to my primary doctor and I told him, hey, you know, I'm having pain on my right breast. It's weird. It's a very sharp pain. Like I could be talking normal and then like, yeah. ah, you know, it like hurt and I needed to stop everything I was doing. I was like, hmm, you know, this, this is weird. Um, you know, I started thinking, well, you know, I actually had implants before. So I said like, and they were kind of overdue to, to change them. So I said, okay, maybe it's something with my implants and I need to shed them soon. But I didn't want to change them at the moment because I was, I was trying to have a baby. So I said, I just do it, you know, after. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so anyway, you know, I never thought that it was something really bad, but I went to the doctor and said, hey, can I get this checked? Um, at that moment, I did not have a lump. It was only the pain. Um, and then uh, I'm trying like to recollect what exactly happened. No, I think I already had a lump. So I actually noticed that something was wrong when I noticed the, the, the pain, but I went to the doctor when the lump came and it was something overnight. Like I woke up one day, I go to the bathroom and shower and then it's like, Ooh, what is this? And it was a um, liter mass beside my nipple on my right breast. So there's where I didn't go to the doctor right away. I think it's like your mind tried to protect yep. you, right? Like it doesn't go right to its cancer. You think about many possibilities. You kind of feel that there's something wrong, but it may not be that bad. So I was like, okay, you know, this is weird. Maybe it's a cyst. I, my first mammogram was when I was 17. So I actually had issues with having cysts on my breast. So I said, maybe it's another one. And they kind of happen every 10 years almost. So I said, okay, it's just another one. Um, but then, you know, weeks passed. But what I started getting concerned was really this pain I was having. And then on top of it, I had this lump, which I didn't thought it was a lump. It was just a cyst in mm -hmm. my head. But I said, let me go and check because I'm trying to get pregnant. So I just want to make sure that everything is all right. So I went to the doctor and I told him and then, you know, he said, okay, let's do a ultrasound uh, first. That, that not, that he didn't send me for a mammogram as ultrasound okay. first. So I went to do the ultrasound um, and they kind of know, they stay like a long time in the lump and then... I don't know. They went and had conversations and they said, okay, we need to do a mammogram. And he said, okay. So they did the mammogram and they took forever. So I'm telling that this day was a full afternoon or no, like more than that. Like I arrived like around 10 and I left that place around uh. four. I don't know why they were taking so long. Um, so I got the mammogram and I noticed that, uh, the, the nurse comes to me and I see that there's some concern and she said, and she started asking me questions. What is exactly what you feel? And I said, well, I feel pain and I come here because, you know, I also have a lump, but are you sure you have a lump? Which now I'm thinking is like, that was such a stupid question. <laughs> it's like, yes, I did. And 
she's making reference to the document that I signed initially where I put the reason what I'm going and I put a lump and she's showing it to me and she said, and, and, and you'll see why I'm telling you this. So she's showing it to me and she said, are you sure it's a lump? And I said, yes, I think so. Like you want to feel it. Like you tell me, you are the freaking expert, not right. me, right? And she said, no, no. And she told me, no, no, that she didn't want it to touch it. And, you know, I, she started asking me that same question several times, which I found really weird. And I was, okay, maybe it's a language barrier thing, thing. like I'm calling it long, maybe it's not. Maybe. So then I said, okay, maybe it's not. This is what I said because she was questioning me so much. I said, okay, maybe it's not. And said, okay, so you don't think it's a lump, right? And I said, well, I see it. I feel it. But maybe it's not. <laughs> you know, it was like a very stupid confusion. And then she said, okay, can you sign here? Like, I'm going to scratch it, like strike, put a strike on the lump word. Can you sign that it's you know, like it's not a lump. And I'll tell you, I don't know why I was so stupid to do it. I think I was so hungry because I was there at 10 in the morning and it was four and I didn't have lunch and I was just so over it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Papa, I sign it. Um, and eventually what it happened is that it was inconclusive. Based on all the dynamic on that day, I think they were worried that they saw something. They probably thought there was something wrong with me, but they couldn't tell. And they were kind of relying on me on what exactly you, you say you have, you know? So it's my responsibility, not theirs. That's how I'm seeing it now. Uh, and I don't, at that moment, I didn't see it like a big issue because if it were a a big deal they would probably tell me hey you have something like let's move on with something else so I said okay whatever I sign whatever my doctor told me okay there's nothing wrong like it's inconclusive it's fine like you are healthy this were the words you are healthy you are young you don't have breast cancer or anything wrong in your family just like let's let's move on and did I feel comfortable with that? No. And after I, after I had my dinner and everything on that day, you know, and I could actually think, I was like, what was this? Um, this didn't make sense. But, you know, I think that, again, like maybe my brain was trying to protect me from anything that could be happening. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not a big deal. However... The pain continued. The, the lump started growing. And then there's where I said, okay, this is not good. Maybe it's the cyst growing, but this is not good. Uh, so that was March. The first one was March. And I go again to my doctor on, I call, I call, I think I called and it was summer. And I said, this is happening. I have pain, my lump is growing. And then the doctor said, well, you, 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 you had a mammogram very recently. So we don't expect that there's nothing like bad really happening. You should be fine. Again, told me the same thing. You're young and you're healthy. You should be fine. Maybe it's just a simple cyst. I didn't feel comfortable with that answer at mm. all. But I started feeling a little like, 
uh, what is the word in, in Spanish? It's impotente. Like, like I couldn't do anything about it. And uh, because he's the expert, he's telling me this, right? But at the same time, you know, my instinct, um, I, I know how to listen to my body as well. And it's like, this does not make sense. Anyway, no, it all I just let sense. it go. But I was really yeah. worried. Yeah. Um, I let it go at that point, um, even though I was not very comfortable, but I just didn't want to make a big deal about it. But then in September, I just, I just noticed that it was getting worse. So the pain stopped, but the lump kept increasing the size. So in September, I go to my gynecologist. So everything was first with my primary doctor. So in September, I, I go to my gynecologist. I did, I had like my physical, annual physical, and I say, hey, like this worries me, whatever. And she said, okay, I will check your mammogram results. And she called me back and she said, I checked your results. Like it was inconclusive. It seems that everything is all right. And I was like, can I have another mammogram? Can you please like do a scan or something? And she said, no, because your mammogram was too recent recent because it was March in March and I said and anyway I got really frustrated and she said no you know like it should be fine wait until your next mammogram you can do it in March next year and I said okay yes and I was like with this I, I was so frustrated and I said okay doctor so what you're telling me is that I'm doing okay that I don't have any there's nothing wrong with me and, and that you are sure about it. And, she's, and she, of course, they cannot say that they are sure about it. She said, the only thing that she said, you will be all right, just wait until March. Your results say that you are fine. I felt so frustrated. To me, an inconclusive result, it's not that you are fine. It's not a right? negative. It's inconclusive, it can be bad. It's not a negative. Right, exactly, exactly. So at that point, um, I literally kind of gave up. You know, I said, okay, they are the freaking experts. They know what they're talking about. Maybe I'm just being a hypochondriac or I'm being dramatic. And this is the thing that this is why I'm saying this with so many details. Because we start questioning ourselves, especially we women. We have such a freaking sixth sense and intuition. Like I never got so worried by any of my previous lumps before. I mean, not lumps, yes. cysts. This one, there was something in me that was saying, mm-mm, this, mm-mm, this doesn't feel right. And, you know, I, th- there's a point where if the experts are telling you this, what the hell do you do, right? right? Okay, I guess I need to listen to them, right? So I need to listen to them before I listen to myself because that that's all I can do. So... Time passed, and then in December, I was going, in all these, I was having some IVF uh, treatments, um, which, unfortunately, they were unsuccessful. And then I was going to a new one in January. I was going to my fourth uh, IVF cycle. So in December, my doctor said, I want to do a full check, a full physical. I think it's time. I want to make sure everything is all right. So I went to to have my physical and he felt the lump and he said, 
have you noticed this? And I said, yes, I was almost like emotional about it. I was like, yes, I have been like a full year trying to tell my doctors that I feel this thing and nobody listens to me. And he was, if you are worried about it, I am worried about it. Thank God. Like, it was the first Jesus. time. Yeah, it was like the first time. Yeah, this was my fertility doctor, and it was the first time that I felt heard. And he said, okay, you know, I don't think that it's nothing wrong because it's soft. Like, the shape was very round, and it was soft. You know that usually cancerous lumps are, like, irregular shape and are, like, a little rough. So I said, I don't think that it's nothing bad, but let's, you know, take a look. And he said, um, uh you know, like, I want you to go to a breast specialist. So that's what I did. I went to a breast specialist. Actually, that was December, and I could get my appointment on February. So I went to the breast uh, specialist, and and she, you know, checked it. She told me the same thing. Well, this does not look bad. Like, I think it's just a cyst. So let, but let's do an aspiration to make sure. So for those that don't know, an aspiration is that they stick a needle, a syringe, and they extract to see if there's liquid coming. If there's liquid coming, it is a cyst. If there's no liquid coming, it's a fibroma or it's a tumor. So she did it. And I see the struggle, the struggle of her like trying to get liquid from it. And there's where it clicked a little bit like, mm, this does not look good. And I see her looking at the nurse. And I was like, why are you looking oh, at her God. like that? <laughs> and, and when she's done, she looked at me. She takes a breath and said, okay, Daniela, it's not a cyst. But it may be a benign tumor or it may be a fibroma. Again, it's interesting because in all this, like I'm seeing that something it's going on. But my, my mind never clicked that it could have been cancer. Probably like the farthest is that, okay, maybe it's a fibroma. Maybe something yeah. needs to be taken out. You know, like this, it's fine. I'll be fine. Um, and anyway, so she, what she said is like, we need to do biopsy and we need to do it fast. So let's schedule it. I said, okay. So I had my biopsy in end of February, 2023. And sorry, I have like hair in my, <laughs> in my face. And I, and I keep like, um, and and then I got my results. Uh, I think it's like two weeks that it takes. So I am in my bedroom. I'm in work hours. I'm actually finishing a meeting, and I get a call. And then it's my it's my it's a nurse practitioner actually. It wasn't even my doctor, and she gave me the news that I had cancer. And literally, like, you know, probably you're familiar with this mm. feeling. It's like you are listening, but you're not listening. It's like your soul gets out of your body out of, out and you're experience. there, but you're not there. Absolutely. Yes. And she just kept telling me medical information, but I heard nothing. <laughs> and I, like, after like an hour of her, like, talking, I was like, can you please repeat what you said? That <laughs> I have <laughs> what? That, in email? that I have what? <laughs> Yeah, right. Like w that I had what? Like I couldn't, I literally s s was stuck in the word carcinoma. Um, anyway, you know, it was, it was um, as you can imagine, like a very sad day. 
Um, and yeah, that's how I got the diagnosis. And I, the first thing I had like a very deep sadness and like, I'm going to die because they, that was a Thursday. They told me that I needed to wait until Monday because the doctor was not available to get details. So I didn't know what stage I was. I could be one or I could have been four and you know, um, so those were the worst days of my life, not knowing my actual detail, the details of my actual diagnosis. I remember that, that window so, of time, yeah. and that, that window of time between you have cancer and any details was arguably one of the more difficult times. I mean, I would say maybe the most difficult day for me was the morning of my double mastectomy. That's where I just lost my shit completely. But those few mm -hmm. days where you don't quite know are just debilitating. Yeah. You know, I remember just pacing the oh house, not knowing who to call, what to do, trying not to Google everything because, you know, what, yes. what do you even Google? Like breast cancer? Like I knew I had breast cancer, but what details? I had none. It was, it was none. so, I mean, frustrating doesn't even begin to cover it. You know, like I really felt like I was like crawling up the walls. I had to like take the dogs on extra yes. walks and like just try to get myself out because it will drive you crazy. And you know, what? one thing yeah. that I noticed and that we've heard so many times from different people in different ways, but so many times is this like this gaslighting of patience, you know, like you, you knew that there was something wrong. And I a hundred percent agree with you that women have this sixth sense. We have this intuition that we're told from birth is just, oh, you're being crazy or that's illogical or you don't have any evidence for mm -hmm. that. And we're like, yeah, true facts. I don't have any evidence for that, but I know what I feel. And we're, you know, I, I was just yes. watching this, this show and it was like <laughs> back in like the middle ages or whatever. And they would, they would absolutely listen to women and their intuition because they recognized that it was, yeah, you didn't have evidence for it, but it was most often true. And we are, that's just so tamped yeah. down nowadays. And it's, it's so frustrating yes. to like, listen to you talk about it. Cause I think we all have been in that situation in some way, shape or form, not exactly yours, not a year of just begging. Will you please just fucking listen to me? Like there is something wrong. Listen. Yes. Um, but it, it's, yeah. And, and, and there's like almost, you know, a lack, then you develop a lack of yes. trust from the people I should be trusting, right? Because after the sadness, I went into a very deep mm -hmm. anger. I was angry because I was asking universal questions. I was like, cool, I have, a, cool had a, how do I say this? Like, probably I could have avoided yeah. it. You know, if somebody had listened to me, yes, at the beginning, they kind of listened to me, like my doctor sent me to the ultrasound and then mammogram, whatever. But after that, nobody else did because of a freaking result that said it was inconclusive, you know, when it's inconclusive. And this is what I think as a scientist, when something's inconclusive, it's not giving me an answer. So I do Another another experiment time. to try to get exactly and evaluate again to try to get an answer so that's the step that it was missing and I felt angry about it and then I got kind of obsessed so I think it was part of uh, my coping mm -hmm. mechanism like I didn't know what to do with the situation and we feel out of control so 
you know, now I know that part of me trying to regain control was like, okay, let me figure out who missed something here. And I started checking my blood work and actually was showing that something was going going wrong. Like my my CBC, my, my blood, like my blood mar markers were showing that my body was fighting something. Everything else looked amazing. But that particular one is like, hey, there's something here that we're trying to attack. And that was from like a year so, before? you know, from the year before, and I had like two blood blood work um, because I, you know, I was also in fertility treatment, so I got like some blood work. So I checked, um, but in you know, my primary doctor put like everything is within range when there were some things that were not within range. So that's why, like, I didn't dig in more into into the the blood work i mean and when i say to dig in it's not that you guys have to dig in into a blood work that's actually responsibility responsibility of your of your doctor it's just i'm a functional nutrition health coach so i can't actually read the blood work but i i didn't do that myself because i trusted to what the doctor said i never had an issue with my blood work so i was like okay but this actually taught me like no daniela you have to be also even more responsible than like to take a look, especially if you had the expertise to do this. You know, I really did. I kind of re uh, relied on my doctor for that. So I had like this time where I was like with this anger and I actually like collected a lot of evidence. But then I said, OK, Daniela, what are you going to do with this? You know, like I had in my in my mind, like, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to take it to court. Yeah. <laughs> like I was thinking on legal things. But then I said, no, um, the truth is maybe, yes, I can help others doing that. But the truth is that right now I need my energy to heal. Also, the doctors that I'm working right now are not the doctors that kind of ignore me. So let me focus my energy in heal. Yeah. And then I will just use my voice to say things like this, to tell my story and for people to create awareness, because I hope that people that do not have cancer also listen to this wonderful podcast and also learn, you know, for prevention yes. and Hey, you know, like be, be aware of, of your, this intuition that you have and listen to your body. I, that's so important. I'm so glad that we, that we went into that. I mean, like I was saying, I think that everybody that has had breast cancer as a young, young woman has experienced that in some way, shape or form. And it is so goddamn aggravating, <laughs> you know, like it, if it keeps happening to women younger and younger and younger, you know, and everybody's talking about that. It's yeah. kind of like a cliche phrase that's used how young women are now. Then why do we still have that, yes. that standard? of 40 years or older Correct. you know why do we still have those rules i remember when it used to be anybody over 50 should be getting their mammograms then they knocked it to 40 why is it not knocked down to at least 30 i mean we still have so many women in their yes. 20s getting breast cancer but at least knock yes. that shit down to 30 and i tend to believe that it has something to do with insurance in this country mm. and I could probably go off on the insurance industry, and I think we probably should in a few episodes, um, but I could probably go off on it yes. for a long time. But when you and I were talking before this recording, we were talking about your mm -hmm. experience with insurance, and I I would love for you to tell yes. the, uh, the listeners all about that. Yeah. No, definitely. So they are in... 
in my story, and I think in many of your stories too, there are two insurance things here. So there's insurance like your actual health insurance, and there's for those that work, right? And we need to take time off. We have the medical leave. Uh, well, the insurance that give you the medical leave permission. Mm -hmm. Just to touch base very quickly with the health insurance part. This is another thing with um, that I I cannot understand. First, like um, having mammograms on if you are under forty, like it's so difficult to get because exactly the insurance they don't allow it if you really don't have breast cancer in your family or you don't have other conditions, etc. So unless like you fight for it, you don't yep. get it early. And um, the other thing is that as a stage one breast cancer patient, they don't do PET scans. The insurance do not cover it. The first thing that I ask is, can you please have me um, do me a PET scan because I want to see if I have cancer anywhere right. else, right? And especially being so hormonal, you know, we have the risk of uterine cancer and ovarian cancer. So I wanted to check and they say, no, because it was stage one. And I was like, cancer is cancer. You know, whatever stage it is, cancer is cancer. And they, I have never had a PET scan because it's not covered. Um, so anyway, that's one thing that it's very frustrating. And I think that it will change <laughs> at yeah. some point. The other one is, is a medical leave uh, insurance. So um, my, my particular experience, right? Like this do not mean that everybody is having this experience. Um, I did get my, my medical leave, um, for my mastectomy, uh, in April. Um, so, you know, everything was running fine with the medical insurance while I was in physical recovery. So they just kind of put you an estimated end day and then, you know, they call you to update if you are taking longer or not. But if you take longer, you need to show evidence why you're taking longer. And usually this is the doctor that signs something and tell why. So with that, um, which by the way, I find like a little, uh, a little stupid, I will say like that, that they literally like call you when you cannot even like hold the yeah. phone. Like they call me on my surgery yep. day. Of course, I didn't pick up the phone. I had the, same thing. <laughs> I had the oh my, exact same thing. Like, it's, right? It's like, how do you expect me to pick up the phone when I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm on so many drugs, sir. Why are you calling? You want to know when I'm going back to work? I don't know. Fuck you. How about that? How about that's when I'm going back to work? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, I remember that. I had exactly. to fight with them so much. But go on, like, tell, because this is... This is something we have not covered really on yeah. this podcast yet. Yeah, it's like, can you know, I give you another, like an emergency number. Can you call my emergency number? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so that's one thing that like, you need to deal with that because you also, you know, you just got a cancer diagnosis, but you need to deal with all the paperwork because it's a lot of paperwork and deal with HR and the insurance. And it's a freaking project. Yeah. By the way, having cancer is, is a freaking project. But anyway, you know, another job. <laughs> we yes. say it. Yeah. 
Right, exactly. And and you know, like the good the good side, like there's a good side about it. Like, you know, they you have that alternative to take time off. So you kind of gotta do what you gotta do. But you know, these are like the the other side that not many people talk about. So Anyways, you know, when when I was in my physical recovery, um, they follow up. Then, you know, I needed more time. My doctor signed and they extended the time. So it was fine. Where I started having an issue with this company and I'm talking the insurance company. So my company relies on this insurance company to deal with the medical leave because that's not their expertise. Right. So on um, like around end of may i think it was i i honestly like my time my timeline it's like oh yep. that's pretty normal <laughs> so whatever like <laughs> let, let's say right it, it's almost like i went through this year and i don't know how and i just don't remember days and times but anyway like closer to my recovery like i physically felt more recovered however emotionally is where i started like struggling so it almost was that my body now feels fine. So now I have time to think about what happened to me, to actually feel, because you are in warrior mode. You are proactive. You are doing whatever it takes to fight for your life. And once like you are okay, yeah. in quotes, I, I mean, <laughs> you're quotes. okay. Yeah, you kind of like now have some time to think about things. And I had a huge emotional delay. This is how my psychologist described it. You had a psycho uh, an emotional delay. So yes, I, you know, I kind of cry here and there and I was angry and whatever during like my recovery process, but I really never like process my emotions at all. So I was getting really depressed my anxiety was going out of the roof and I was like, what is going on? Because I, that was me 10 to 15 years ago and I learned how to cope all this. And now I'm a freaking mess. Like I have no life coaching knowledge. <laughs> like I haven't gone through therapy. Like I'm in the ground again. And it was just because I went through a freaking traumatic experience that I almost died. I fell face death and that's very scary and now that I'm probably out of danger now I have the time to think about that exactly. trauma right like to process that that trauma um and pretty much you know like my psychologist I felt that I was actually ready to go to work because physically I was doing better um, and honestly, I knew within me that I was not ready at all, but more because of what people were going to think, you know, I, the, I was thinking stupid things like, okay, what if somebody from work comes by my town and I see them and they say, oh, but Danielle is fine. Like, well, she's out of work, yeah. right? <laughs> and I was thinking on those things and definitely not thinking about myself and my my psychologist was really strong no you are not going back to work you cannot go back to work you are not in conditions to go back to work you stay and she requested an extension so that is long story short like the because i'm i know that it's been very long so long story short 
it took several weeks to be approved, which was very, very weird because for my physical doctors, they approved like just in a few days. So this one was literally taking, it took six weeks. It took six weeks. Okay. And I was like, do I go back to work? Do I not? You know, in all this time, I'm working with my therapist. Um, I'm also doing like my own life coaching techniques too. So I'm trying to get better emotionally, but I noticed that I had like so much to release. Um, So the time, you know, out of work was actually very necessary, but I was a little worried, like what will be my next step here? So six weeks after they send me, they, they tell me that they deny the extension. And I was like, okay, first of all, you are denying this extension after six weeks. And second, why are you denying this extension? And pretty much, you know, my psychologist didn't want to tell me anything. But then she opened up and told me they were questioning, like, if you really needed this. They were asking me extra documentation. They even started questioning my credentials. They just couldn't. Yeah, they just didn't, you know, like if I was fine already because I healed my incisions, why do you need more time? So they were not understanding this emotional and psychological thing. And this was such a, this opened my eyes so much that, oh my God, people don't understand that cancer is not the physical thing only. If anything, it's more about the emotional It's more about the mental and there's not really like enough resources for that part of the process. And there's not enough understanding. You know what somebody at work told me, uh, a leader, tell me, uh, it's one of my, you know, leaders told me when I told that I had breast cancer, the first thing that told me people don't die of breast cancer. That's what Uh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And that literally, like, made me have a panic attack in the car. Like, I went to the car, and I had a panic attack. <laughs> like, how somebody can tell that like, people do do die from cancer every you know? day? Every um, day, people die from breast yeah. cancer. I mean, I yes. we've we've also talked about this before. You know, like people saying dumb shit, but they probably mean to say nice things. But you know that I don't see how that one is helpful. I mean, I know that he's probably saying something like, well, don't worry, Daniela, it, you know, you're not going to die from it. Everything's going to be okay. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, that, intention. that's the intention, but it comes across in a way like, no, false. I know that people die of cancer. Holy shit. Am I about to be one of the people that dies of cancer? Cue the breakdown. And, you know, ne- next thing you know, you're having a panic attack in a car. Like that's, that has also happened so yes, many times. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and you have to, mm -hmm. and you have to deal, you know, this emotional part that we're talking about, it's like, well, you have to deal about the trauma, everything that you went through your new life, because you need to adapt a lot of things, you know, in my, in my, in in my actual situation, you know, and this is something that we we can talk about. I I told you before about imposter syndrome, right? Because I was stage, I was stage one. Imposter syndrome. I don't know if it is the right term for a disease. Because imposter syndrome, it's more like when you don't feel that you deserve a success or you feel ili- ili- uh, not legitimate yeah. in something. 
So maybe that, le, 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 I cannot say these words in English, legitimacy. Yeah, legitimacy. <laughs> in, as a, yeah, <laughs> as, a breast, as a breast cancer patient and as a survivor, I feel that, can I call myself like this? Because I didn't go through chemo. I didn't lose my, my hair. You know, I didn't have to go through radiation. Uh, for those that don't know, you know, when you have hormonal cancer and if it is early stage or, you know, different situations, sometimes you don't need to go through chemo or radiation. In my, in my case, I needed to do radiation, but because I did a double mastectomy and I, I had clear limbs, they said like, we don't need to do it. So, you know, I can't, that kind the mastectomy kind of saved me from doing it. But then, you know, I had, I was going through a lot of shit, but at the same time, I felt like I almost didn't have the right to complain. Yep. And I researched about it. I was researching about it. I said, is this something like, like it's me? Is this like a real thing? And I actually heard that it's a normal phenomenon with early stage cancer patients, imposter syndrome. Yep. Um, and, and then I'm dealing with feeling like shit, but feeling almost like I cannot complain. Also with that, I'm physically looking that I'm recovering um, but I'm still struggling a lot, but people see me that I'm fine. So they start treating me like I'm all right and normal and I'm not normal because my brain is not functioning yet. Yeah. You know, it's like you need to deal with all these in on top of that. What is the other emotional and mental part that I needed to work with? It was not just this year of cancer. I was freaking battling with fertility yeah. for two not really two years, two years was of treatment. But even before that, I was trying to get pregnant naturally and I couldn't. And before that, I actually had a divorce with my first husband. Oh, so I right. had like probably the past eight, eight years of trauma. It doesn't <laughs> Dealing stop. With it. So what, yes. And I think this that I'm going to say right now happened to a lot of people, a lot of us. In my, in my case, I never had a time where I stopped. I was always working. I was always studying. Like I graduated college. I started to do my PhD right away. I finished my PhD. I started working right away. I was always doing something. So after the diagnosis was like, no, you stop everything. You stop your life. You need to focus on yourself now. And it's like you are now sitting, doing absolutely nothing with a reminder every single day that you have cancer or that you're recovering from a very harsh surgery and what do I do, right? So it wasn't like the first time that I was like fully, fully doing nothing, facing myself yeah. <laughs> and my emotions and my thoughts. And I started, you know, like getting triggered by all these past experiences. I was like, why life is treating me like this? I was in victim mode. Like yeah. why, you know, people can get pregnant. So many other people can get pregnant so easily. What is, has been so difficult for me, you know? And then there's other things that start face uh, coming, sticking out, which are also your childhood traumas. All these this experience, cancer experience, really brings a lot of past experiences and, you, and, and a lot of existential questions yes. too, you yep. know, right? And, and the first one is like, okay, like, is it God don't want me to leave? Like, it's, it's not like my thing to be alive, <laughs> <not> my thing <laughs> you know? 
right? And, and I had those same questions when I was trying to get pregnant. It's like, is it not my destiny to be a mom? But why, what about this feeling that I have inside myself that I want to be a mom, you know? And on top of all that, like the cherry on the top, is that the month that I got my diagnosis was actually the month that I was going to finally have my embryos transferred after such a long battle with fertility. So I'm sorry if I tell you that I did need a couple more weeks to heal emotionally and mentally. Yeah, they And they couldn't understand that. No, the disability insurance companies are, it feels so scummy, so sleazy sometimes. Um, You know, like when I was dealing with them, my doctors were making it very clear to them, both psychologically and because I was a psychological mess. Uh, But they were making it clear that psychologically and physically, I was not in a position to go back. Yes, I could walk upright. And my scars had healed, but you know, there was the other, I I had a month of having to go to a hyperbaric oxygen chamber every day. And then the next month I had to do fertility treatments because I was going to freeze my eggs before they did the, um, the hysterectomy on me. And I think that that's another Mm -hmm. thing that is kind of lost on people like, you know, yeah, we're, we were both stage one, um, both stage one B, but the, the treatment may not be chemo. The treatment may not be radiation, but the treatment is hormonal and the hormones being immediately just taken out of your system and out of your life, whether it's through tamoxifen or a hysterectomy like I had or whatever that throws you into such a tailspin and you can't just bounce back. You know, I mean, people, We've all had, you know, mm-hmm. PMS or we've all had our, you know, hormones going up and down surrounding our cycle, but take that cycle out completely. And now like I, I couldn't yeah. think straight. I couldn't speak correctly. I still like, I mean, of course I was having hot flashes, like honestly, like five or six. I'm having one I right know. now, actually. <laughs> I'm like trying to avoid doing these. <laughs> I wear skirts all the time. So I just like air myself <laughs> so bad. But like your yeah. whole body shifts and changes. It's like, you know, and yeah. it just doesn't seem, I understand why insurance companies do it. Their job is to pay as little money as possible, but still pay, you know, still do their job. But there is yeah. some sort of disconnect between the doctors, the psychologists and the patients when it comes to disability insurance that, right. you know, it, it really right. messes with you. I went back to work way too early. I was a true rain wreck like a complete dumpster fire of a human right. being and i feel you on that i yes. had to go back because i needed the money but my my disability insurance okay. denied that they denied me a few more weeks or months or whatever it was right. that i needed they denied it because it was straight up psychological and you know yes and and that talks volumes about the leader understanding about mental health, uh, the importance that is given to mental health and the understanding, as I said, of that mental health is a big part of a cancer patient. And, you know, when I, this reminds me, when I was reading the, the denial letter, they had, first of all, they manipulated a lot of information. I asked for the medical um, records because that letter was so misleading. Yeah. 
that I, they send me 100 pages, literally 100 pages of medical records, and I read the 100 pages, and I noticed that there was a lot of misleading and manipulated information. And one of the things that said is the first thing that stick in my mind. It's um, that I went to that, that I went to my doctor and that one of the things that concerned me was that I wasn't going to be able to get pregnant. And I was like, it's not a concern. It's a freaking fact that because I got breast cancer, I cannot get pregnant anymore because it's going to kill me if I get pregnant. So, you know, this use of words too can be like really triggering, yeah. honestly. Um, and, and, you know, it's when, when we are also talking, because you mentioned this about the different type of cancers, different type of treatments. I think that we tend to go very quickly to the comparison route. And that's actually that it was happening for me. So that's why I was feeling impostor syndrome because I was comparing to others and I was feeling like maybe I should not complain because there's people struggling more with other treatments, right? I think that we should just isolate the stories. Every story is different. It's not, you know, not only because there's so many, many types of breast cancer or so many treatments, but also because each one of us carry a different story right and these diagnoses impact us in very particular ways in my particular experience not doesn't mean that it's better or it's worse than anybody to me it was devastating that i got hormonal cancer because one the first thing that i thought did i do this to myself because i was doing ivf yeah. Right, like I was putting hormones in my body. Like, did I do this to myself? Second, it was devastating because I have been trying so hard to become a mom. And now I cannot do it the way that I wanted, that it was in my body, right? And I need to do, yes, thankfully I didn't have to do chemo or, or do her radiation, but I need to do freaking 10 years. That's a really long time of hormonal therapy. Yeah. It's a very long time. And if it, and as you were saying, you know, these hormonal treatments have a lot of side effects. One of them is that we are losing our youth, our biological youth, very early on. We are getting into menopause early. And that sucks. And that sucks in so many ways, like in your like emotional and mental. So I, I, I say that this cancer is more, more mental. Like when it's, when you have hormonal treatment, it's like more mental. Um, it screw you up mentally because your hormones are all over the place. It screw you sexually because now you have to figure out how to have sex with a dry vagina. Uh -huh. You know, it's like, and, and, and it's like, a, <laughs> sorry, but it's, you know, it's oh, a it's lot of shit that you true. need to do, deal with. And, and, and when, and when the insurance denied me, I was in the peak of starting my hormonal treatment. So I don't know if that happens to you guys, but to me, when I started tamoxifen, my first two months, I was a freaking mess. Like, you know, and, and trigger alert here. I was even having suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. It was really bad. And I was like, this is not me. That happened to me many years ago and I was over it. Why is this coming? I was like, this does not make sense. I'm trying to live. I have been fighting for my life, but at the same time, I want to die. Like, what is this? I, had I was that a this lot. Is, I had that a lot. Right. 
this is really it's really concerning right and 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 i there's when i was in that peak is when i was asked to come back to work exactly so that's why my psychologist was like this is just so stupid like i don't understand you should not be going back to work but there's nothing i can do my dear tell me i i remember trying to explain first of all thank you for laying all of that out because i think that you know i've talked before and sam has talked before about like the really heavy duty emotional toll that this takes on people. And I don't think it's that it does everybody enough of a service just to say it's very difficult, period. You know, like, I think that we do need to go into what this looks like, you know, like I, I also mm -hmm. had suicidal thoughts. And how did that make any fucking sense in the world? Because I just spent all of this time and money making sure that I don't die. You know, like the, the cognitive dissonance was happening mm -hmm. in my head. None of it mm -hmm. made sense, but it was still happening. And it's it's so treacherous. You know, I remember saying that, you, you know, like the phrase like maiden mother crone um, or mm -hmm. like, you know, from I, I kind of look into like um, old world religion, spirituality, stuff like that. And they always have mother or maiden mm -hmm. mother crone. And I would joke that I skipped right over the mother part. It just went from maiden to crone just immediately to an old lady mm. my bones hurt i'm tired all the time my skin gets weird <laughs> my vagina is like the sahara desert like you know all of it is all just fucked and it happened in the span yeah. of about a month and you know when you go through menopause normally quote unquote normally and you have this like bell curve you know like you kind of like lead up into it mm -hmm. and then it stops like you're expecting it that is coming, yeah. but here is like pan. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm an old lady and I don't know how to deal with it and all of the emotions that come with it. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for being open and vulnerable with that because I do think it's very important for people to actually hear kind of the rawness of what does a mm -hmm. difficult emotional time in heavy quotes, what does that actually entail? And it's it's rough. It can be very, very rough. So thank you for that. Yeah, I just no, wanted to quick, course. that was a long way of doing no, it, but thank you for, for laying that part out. No, no, you're welcome. And, and because I know that we be uh, wrapping up very quickly, I just want to say, you know, we have been telling the, the difficult things about the process, but I also want you to know for you that are starting this process that it actually start getting better, okay? It's not terrible all the time. Is it difficult all the time? Yes. Like you, there's not a day that I don't think about cancer or that I get worried about recurrence, yeah. but you start learning how to navigate that. And also the treatment, I think for me that the first few months were the worst, then it started getting better, but also because I got proactive to start learning how to mitigate my symptoms. And also the time that you take the medication influences, you know, like you need to, you are relearning yourself biologically, mentally, and emotionally. But if you have the right support, you know, this can, this can actually get better with time. So, you know, we, we, I want to leave that there because there's also a bright side, eventually <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel, we'll say within our circumstance, it's not perfect but it's possible. Thank you so much. Before before we do go, I want you to kind of do like shameless mm -hmm. plug. We are going to be um, in the in the description. <laughs> I, I do this, like people can see mm -hmm. like down below, 
Um, so, but yes. in the description, we are going to have, you know, your, I guess your CV, we could call it. Um, you touched on this in the very mm -hmm. beginning. And I think I was so excited to hear from you on this other stuff. We kind of skipped over it, but you have a very impressive background um, and you have a, you focus on a lot of things that I think would be really, really helpful for people. So if you are open to it, do you mind just kind of going through that again with people and explaining what it is that you do? Yeah. And then we will link something in of the course. in the um description. Of course. No, and um thank you. And and actually I, it's always a little hard for me to explain exactly what I do because I am many things, but pretty much just to simplify, I am a functional nutrition health coach and I'm also a life coach. So I pretty much work with going to the root cause of things. So that's why like, I'm very interested also in understanding that um, cancer is not my expertise. So it kind of came later, but I work a lot with women with PCOS, with thyroid problems, uh, you know, like more underlying conditions. Also people that don't have conditions, but I work with the root cause of things, like really try to understand and work on prevention. Because I think this is also the part that is missed with cancer, um, that some, some cancers can be prevented. And others, you know, like for example, if I knew my genetic, uh, my genetic background, I will have probably done some things to try to prevent having cancer. And we didn't touch, you know, details on that, but I learned some things that if I knew before, right? But because my expertise is not cancer, I never really went there. Um, but anyway, I help people on their lifestyle, on their health and their lifestyle. And I'm actually starting working with cancer patients. Oh, God. Because cancer, yeah, cancer, so more in the life coaching part and in general health, um, help because cancer is not my, my expertise. I cannot recommend specific things for cancer, but if you are a cancer survivor, a cancer patient, I can definitely help you with, you know, like navigate this emotional roller coaster and also to help you, you know, in your healthy lifestyle. So um, maybe you can put my Instagram and whenever I come with a program or something, I can, you know, they, they can go and I'm, I know what I I'm am doing. I am absolutely going to do that. And um, are you okay if people reach out to you, if they have questions about what it is that you do? And, questions. Okay. Wonderful. Definitely. You can go to my Instagram at uh, G. One, yep. you will have it in the notes and you can reach me in my DM, ask me any questions and I'll be here for you. Like this is what we feel all of us. That is our purpose right now. What Sam and Megan are doing, you know, like using their experience to be there for others, to inform and for others to feel good. Because honestly, when this podcast came, I was in that emotional like roller coaster and peak and this podcast really helped me to feel heard and like yeah yeah that thing is happening to me too you know <laughs> you know and and these these girls like really make me laugh a lot so in kind of a satiric way you know it's a sad situation but at the same time like we can't laugh about it you, you gotta so find thank you guys for you doing gotta that. find the funny sometimes and thank you yeah. so much Daniela like that's the those words are so sweet, you know? I mean, we, and I, I really appreciate that. I know that Sam does too. Like, you know, there's not, there was no intention for this podcast other than 
to just make sure that people feel heard. It is such an isolating experience. And even if you know cognitively that there are other women out there going through the same thing, those women aren't in your life. You don't know them. They're not in your circle usually. And so we're just trying to create that circle. And I really, really appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. It's my honor to be here. Listeners, you're going to be able to find all of Daniela's information um, in in our um, description, obviously. Um, And we, I'm sure in our, in our list of guests that we've had so far, every time we've had somebody on, we start to touch on something and I'm like, oh my God, I need more information. So if you're open to it, Daniela, we would love to have you back on and just to do check-ins and see how things are going. Because I think it is important for people to hear that no matter how depressed or shitty you are feeling, because I was there, ladies and gentlemen, but mostly ladies, I was there. I felt so bad and I did not see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I can promise you that if I can find that light at the end of the tunnel on this one, you can too, because I'm kind of stubborn in my shitty feelings sometimes. Um, So thank you again. Very true. No, of course. And I'll be happy to come back. And I know that they have, we have many other topics that we can continue talking, even though I talk a lot as I think that I talk more than Megan and that's almost impossible. (laughs) I know. So, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry about (laughs) everything. But I promise next time I let you I let you ask me the questions and I'll stay on track. (laughs) You were fantastic. We love you so much. Thank you so much. Um listeners, check us next week on Tits Up. Um thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye everybody. Bye. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Tits Up. We'll be back next week, Thursday, and every Thursday after that. Quick reminder again about how you can support the podcast and help us grow this vibrant community that we are creating. First, whether you are listening to the show or watching us on YouTube, please click the subscribe button and leave us a review. Also, send the show to a friend or a specific episode that you really enjoyed. Second, please follow us on all of our social media platforms. All links are below in the description. Or if you are an elder millennial like myself and you would like to call us and leave a voicemail, you can reach us at 720-892-6669. We want to know if you would like to be a guest on the show or if you have ideas for upcoming episodes, thoughts, comments, concerns regarding past episodes, We would love to hear from you. This podcast is for all of us, and we cannot do this without you. Also, please remember, we are not medical professionals, and we are never giving medical advice. Everyone's experience with cancer is very different, and just because we did something one way does not necessarily mean that that's how you should do it. If you have any questions about your health and well-being, please contact your doctor. Everyone take care, and until next time, tits up.